coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Make sure to turn college football season into winning season by using promo code UGA when you sign up for a brand new account at mybookie.ag to get a 50% deposit bonus on that first deposit. MyBookie is your go-to place for all the best sports betting action, whether it's college football, NFL, Major League Baseball, it doesn't matter. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. All right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and I am back. I am back in town, back in the classic city from my man Curtis's wedding. He is a married man. It was a blast. It was a great time. Beautiful wedding. I truly could not be more happy for him, but he is off on his honeymoon, so he'll be gone for another week or two, which means I've got you guys covered in the meantime, and I keep teasing it. Eventually, it's going to happen, right? Maybe, possibly one day, Charlie might make a surprise appearance and show up. She keeps telling me she is. We'll, we'll find out. She kind of just shows up when she shows up. But while I was up in Boone, North Carolina over the weekend for Curtis's wedding, we had a little movement. Actually, more than a little movement on the recruiting front. Some good, some not so good. And that's what I want to focus on today, considering the magnitude of these developments. And I guess we should go in chronological order, which means we got to start with the bad news. I don't like this. You don't like this. But we got to do it. We got to pull that Band-Aid off, guys. Let's do it together. So I'll give you the backstory on this. So yes, this was what, 7.30 on Saturday night. Curtis's wedding was still very much going on. Didn't really get out of there until about nine. That's when things started to die down a little bit, or at least when we could kind of get away. So your boy had to sneak away to the bathroom to pull up this video and watch what went down. I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to be that guy. So I just politely excused myself, went to the bathroom. I actually held it for a long time. So it didn't seem like I was going to the bathroom like every five minutes. No, I, I held it, didn't go for a while. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to go to the bathroom and stay in here for a minute or two. And we were up in the freaking mountains. You know, we're up in Boone. So Wi-Fi spotty, it's hit or miss. So the picture wasn't good. It was fuzzy. It was kind of coming in and out. But I saw enough. I saw what I needed to see, I guess. Of course, by now, you all are well aware that K.J. Bolden spurned the in-state Bulldogs in favor of the Florida State Seminoles, his longtime childhood favorite, and according to K.J. himself, his dream school. Dream school or not, it doesn't really make us feel any better. So what happened? What happened here? Well, I mean, it's pretty simple, guys. NIL happened. And that's not me playing the self-righteous fan, pointing the finger at Florida State, wagging in their face saying, you did something wrong. No, that's not what I'm doing. What they did was purely 100% legal. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what they did. It was not beyond the pale. It wasn't over the line. They were playing perfectly within the rules that we are all playing by. So this is not sour grapes saying, well, you know, if it wasn't for NIL, we would have gotten them. Yeah, we probably would have, but that's not how this game works anymore. NIL is a thing that everyone has to deal with. And every program, every coach has their own approach to it. They have their own policies, their own strategies with it. And in this case, Florida State went in deep. They, I, don't wanna, I don't know if they went all in. I don't know if they went all in. I don't know what the finances of their collective are, but I know they went in heavy. I know they went in with a very big offer here. And that's not me speculating, guys. I know that 
because Florida State's collective, The Battle's End, essentially admitted to it on social media after the commitment. They put a tweet out saying like, we're here to compete. If you haven't seen it, don't take my word for it. Go look it up. The Battle's End. It's Florida State's collective. And literally right after the commitment, they posted this tweet with some video trying to encourage Florida State fans to donate to the collective. And the, the tweet was simple. We're here to compete. That's what they said. Now, did they say KJ Bolden by name? No, but I'm also not a moron. I might not be a smart man, but I'm not a complete blithering idiot. We can read between the lines, right? Like we know what's going on here. They weren't trying to hide it. They were proud of it. They were trying to fundraise off of it. Now, they, again, they didn't do anything wrong, but it's kind of the equivalent. Of like I'm trying to like wrap my mind around like what, 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 what that was like. And it's like, and to me, it's kind of like a guy who just committed a murder earlier in the day and he gets on social media and he tweets out, hey, how about that murder I just committed? Now again, I know they didn't do anything wrong, but it's kind of like you're just owning up to exactly what everyone's accusing you of. And accusing is a strong word because again, they're playing by the rules. But yeah, a lot of us are still in this mindset that paying players using collectives, NIL is like you're cheating, you're doing something wrong. I mean, it is the equivalent of what used to be cheating back in the day but it's legal now, so teams can do it. And we can do it too if we choose to. We just choose to handle it a little bit differently. And look, as I don't have all the details, again, I was at Curtis's wedding up in the mountains away from civilization for a couple of days, and I wasn't really in, in town, wasn't able to talk to really anybody, and don't really have all the information right now. I hope to get some more information as the week goes on, but I've been out of commission. So I don't have all the answers. What I can tell you is what I've known about this recruitment up to this point, and we've talked about it here on the show plenty of times. We led for KJ Bolden for the vast majority of his recruitment, at least over the past six months or so. And things are looking really good. Like if he would have committed prior to June, like when everyone everyone started taking like these official visits all over the world, he would have committed to Georgia. But that's not how it went down. He decided he wanted to take more visits. He goes to Ohio State, goes to Auburn, goes all around. And when he started to make those visits, it started kind of put a little bit of a crack into our lead in his recruitment. And it opened the door enough for Florida State to make that offer and KJ to be more receptive to that NIL offer. And I don't know when Florida State offered him all this NIL money. They probably had it on the table for a while. I don't know if they upped the offer. I don't know because, again, I've been out of commission, haven't talked to people. And the people I know at, at Georgia don't know what's going on at Florida State. I mean, that's complete speculation. But we did lead in his recruitment for a long, long time. Obviously, June changed things. And we were able to get kind of get back, not into the picture. We were always in the picture. We were able to regain the momentum over the past week or two. And so the last word I got before, you know, I had to do all the wedding stuff going up to the, up to the mountains in North Carolina. Friday night, I got word that KJ had given us like the word that he was going to come to Georgia. So I felt really good about it. I went to bed Friday night, feeling really good about that. Got up Saturday, feeling great. Curtis's wedding, excited for him. Also excited because we were going to get KJ Bolden. And don't forget, I told you guys last week when I was making the predictions with him and Frazier that I was not at all confident with any sort of prediction with KJ Bolden because the news was switching by the day it seemed like by the hour at times but the last word I got before the wedding was like hey we, we feel good about this so I felt good about it I know that we went outside of our comfort zone a little bit Kirby did in upping our NIL offer to make it more competitive with, well not just what Florida State was offering Auburn also put in a big NIL offer as well 
And we wanted to make sure that we were competitive with that because KJ Bolden, he's a top 10 guy nationally, right? And we have put a lot of resources into recruiting this guy. Kirby has expended a lot of energy personally, built a fantastic relationship with KJ personally, trying to get his commitment. So at the last second here, you you try to be competitive with the NIL stuff. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, we do NIL. We give high school prospects NIL deals. Every power program does that. I don't know if there's a power program out there that doesn't do that because if you don't, then you're just simply not going to get these guys. You're not going to be recruiting at a high enough level to compete for championships. That's just the reality of the world right now. So everyone partakes in the NIL game. Some are just more aggressive than others. And other programs like Georgia tend to be more conservative with the NIL deals they offer to high school prospects. Now, the guys that are on our team that have earned it, that have proved themselves at the college level, I mean, we hook those guys up. They are not hurting. There's a reason why you don't see a lot of our top players transferring out to other schools seeking NIL deals. I know Barry Alexander is the obvious exception there, but mm, as we talked about you know, back during spring practice, mm, some things are kind of addition by subtraction. But Kirby and our staff generally are just more conservative than some of the other power programs when it comes to offering massive NIL deals to these high school prospects. Again, we offer NIL deals, just not quite as aggressively as some of these other schools do. And Florida State was very, very aggressive here. And I think the question becomes, why? Why were they so aggressive with KJ Bolden? You know, at least that's where my mind goes, because he's not the only five-star guy that they're recruiting. He's not the only top 10 guy they're recruiting nationally. So why do they go all in on KJ Bolden? Well, I think there's two things here. Number one, they probably felt like they had a really good shot at him, knowing that he was a kind of a lifelong childhood fan of, of Florida State. And it was this dream school. So you're like, okay, well, you know, we could offer these massive deals to these other top 10 guys, but they don't really have that deep love for Florida State going back years to their childhood that KJ does. Maybe we don't have as much of a shot with him. Maybe we'd be wasting our resources. So let's take a shot with this guy. I think that's certainly a, a big part of it. But here's another part of it. This is completely speculative on my part. I have no inside information on this. This is me just kind of reading between the lines, watching what's going on, and just trying to draw some, some conclusions here. I do think that on some level, this was a PR move. I really do. And let me explain that. So Florida State built some momentum last year with a solid year. And they got a lot of momentum throughout the offseason and a lot of hype as a potential, not just ACC champion, but a potential college football playoff team. Potentially top 10 team coming in this season, right? The hype train is building for Florida State. And this is all happening while realignment is playing out in the background. Florida State has not been shy. Their presidents, their board of trustees, they have not been shy about discussing their unhappiness with their current situation in the ACC. And most recently, like last week, I mean, they were saber rattling. Like I've never seen, man. They're basically saying like, we are leaving the ACC. Grant of rights, I don't freaking care. We're leaving. So when you think about that playing out in the backdrop, they are at least... If you take them at their word, they are going to be leaving the ACC at some point here, probably in the relatively near future, if they can. Now, we'll see if they can. I don't know, but they're going to try. And if they try to leave the ACC, leaving the ACC is one thing, but then you've got to join another conference, right? Well, Florida State is a power program. They are one of the one of the blue bloods out there, at least in terms of blue bloods of the last 30 years. I know that I know they don't go back to like the 20s and 30s. They really weren't relevant to like the mid-1980s, but since then, they've been one of the, the best programs in the country. So they are an attractive program, but they would be in a position where they don't really have all that much leverage. I guess they can kind of play the Big Ten and the SEC against each other. 
And again, they don't have to convince one of these conferences to take them if they are able to get out of the ACC. Conferences will want to take Florida State. That's a big-time program. But they also just watched Oregon and Washington, two pretty big programs themselves, certainly Oregon over the past 20 years, move to the Big Ten, but they didn't get a full share of the TV revenue, at least not in the short term. So maybe this is the PR move by Florida State, trying to burnish their image, enhance their brand somewhat as they kind of position themselves, array themselves to try to leave the ACC, add more momentum to the momentum they've already built going into this season, and try to just, again, create the further create the perception that this is a big-time program. Remind people who they are. Because let's be real, up until last year, they had a solid year last year. It wasn't on an elite year. I mean, they lost to Wake Forest last year. Not an elite year if you lose to Wake Forest. But it's been a minute since Florida State's been good. I mean, we're going on almost a decade since they've been really good since that national championship. I mean, the bottom fell out under Jimbo Fisher. The Willie Taggart was an absolute disaster. Norvell, I mean, he's got it kind of going now. It took him a while, though. So they've had some rough years here. And we do live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world. So on some level, and I don't know how much this plays into it. Again, this is just speculation. I'm just throwing stuff out there. It's a conspiracy theory. I know, all that kind of thing. But I don't think it's crazy either to suggest that maybe there's a PR element here where Florida State is just trying to, again, kind of burnish their image, build the perception that this is a brand that everyone wants so that when the time comes, if the time comes, that they leave the ACC and they're going to try to join another conference, that they're in a strong enough position to get a full share of the TV revenue, or at least close enough to a full share of the TV revenue. Again, that's me just totally throwing things out there. I own that. I admit that. That's just where my mind kind of went. But again, if it wasn't at least somewhat of a PR move here, why would Florida State's official collective go on social media immediately following the commitment, trumpeting their involvement in said commitment, and posting along with it a video trying to raise more money from their fan base for that collective. I don't know. Just putting that out there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think the next question becomes, why didn't Georgia match Florida State's offer? Look, we have a very good collective. Classic City Collective is a great collective in and of itself, but I think this is more of a philosophical thing. And this is, I don't know this for sure, but I do know, going back to what I've been told previously, going back a year or two, that we approach NIL a little bit differently than how other teams do, as I was mentioning earlier. Like Kirby, like we play the NIL game, we pay these high school guys, at least most of them, something, but we're just a little bit more conservative with that. And we did, from my understanding, up this offer more than we typically do for KJ Bolden. But why is Kirby so hesitant to throw out these big offers to give the green light these big NIL deals for these incoming freshmen, even five-star guys, top 10 guys like KJ Bolden. I think a lot of it has to do with culture. And I know the culture, quote unquote, within our program has taken a big hit over the, the past couple of months with the, the drag racing, the speeding, the obviously tragic deaths of Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix, all of that, all the attention that we've gotten, the AJC stuff, all of that. 
but that's a distraction to what's really going on within our program. Like, yes, that's a, that is an issue. Like, we need to make sure guys are not drag racing, street racing, whatever. Like, that cannot happen. The guys do not need to be doing that. But that's kind of obfuscating what's really going on within our program. Guys, we have not won the last two national championships by accident. Yes, we have a ton of talented players. Absolutely. As I always tell you, you have to have players to win the national championship. But there's also a lot of teams that have really good players that also aren't winning national championships. So what has been different about our team? Why are our talented players able to win back-to-back national championships? And I truly, truly, deep down, believe that our culture is a massive part of that. Our culture of selflessness, of physicality, of discipline, of toughness, of loving each other, of grinding, going to work, all of those things. I think that is a big part of our success. And that has to be protected at all costs, in my opinion. And I think the way that Kirby looks at it is, hey man, if I if I throw out a massive, massive NIL deal to this top 10 five-star freshman, as good as he might be, as much time as we've invested in this guy, if I throw this massive deal to where he's getting more NIL money than three-fourths of our roster, what is that going to do to our culture? Something like that absolutely could threaten this culture, this precious culture that you've cultivated within your program. And I think Kirby is very protective of that, and he's very aware of that. And honestly, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, would I have liked to have gotten K.J. Bolden? Of course. I mean, K.J. Bolden is an awesome football player. I've seen this guy play live multiple times. I mean, I told you back when he was a sophomore, I was watching him play Clark Central, and it was him out there, and this was an Isaiah Bond who eventually went to Alabama. He was on the team as well. He was a senior that year, and Bolden was the sophomore. I watched that game, and I'm like, I came away thinking, man, that dude, that sophomore, that guy is better than Bond. He's a fantastic player. He's awesome. Of course I want this guy. But if NIL is going to be the decisive factor in his recruitment, I'm also okay with it if he goes somewhere else. I get it. And I don't begrudge him. I really don't. I don't begrudge these kids who take these deals. I do like to get kids that where NIL isn't the driving force because I think that they probably are a better fit for our culture and the things that we emphasize within our program. But it doesn't mean that KJ's a bad kid. No, none. that doesn't mean that whatsoever. Of course not. I mean, just because he's following the money and he's taking the cash, why does that make him a bad kid? That's what 99% of us do in our daily lives anyway. Like, to some degree or another, we all chase the cash. Like, Why do we hold these kids to different standards? I get it from his perspective. But we are in a place as a program where we are far bigger than just one player. One player, I don't care who it is, is not going to make or break our program. Not when we have stacked elite recruiting class on top of elite recruiting class on top of elite recruiting class on top of elite recruiting class. A program like Florida State that traditionally has recruited really well, but hasn't recruited as well as recently, at least not on a consistent level. A player like K.J. Bolden absolutely can make a difference for them because they need guys like that to compete with the Georges of the world. We are so talented at this point that we're almost insulated from really feeling the effects of missing on a guy like this, even a a guy as high profile as K.J. Jefferson. I mean, think about the guys that we've missed. Like, this is not the first five-star guy that we've missed. I mean, we missed Arik Gilbert, right? Miles Murphy, Travis Hunter, and, and the list goes on and on, guys. Like, we've missed a bunch of these guys. Like, this happens. Every team misses on guys. No one bats a thousand. But to my point, even though we've missed, I know eventually we got Ari Gilbert, but we missed him out of high school. He goes to LSU. But even though we missed on him and Miles Murphy and we missed on 
Travis Hunter. I mean, I, I know most people thought he was going to go, going to go to Florida State anyway, but we were very much in it for Travis Hunter late. We like we really made a move there. But remember how people were freaking out when we lost Gilbert, like the first time around. Remember how people were freaking out when we lost Miles Murphy? People act like the sky was falling. But all we did is go out and win back-to-back national championships. Why? Because we had already stacked so many elite players on this roster that we were insulated from really feeling those effects the way that another program that doesn't have the quantity of high-level players on the roster would not be able to kind of just compensate for that loss. Now, what does make this a little bit more painful is the fact that we also lost Caleb Downs last year to Alabama, another guy out of Gwinnett County, and we'll get to that in a second. Those, you know, back-to-back classes, the top safety in the state, who was also five-star prospect, we miss on both those guys. And look, we got Malachi Starks. He is awesome, and he's going to be a star for us this year. He'll be a star for us as a junior, so we got him for two more years. But we need to start getting some more talent in that room like in that safety room now we've got some good players like Janelle Aguero if he eventually moves back to safety would be awesome there but I mean right now we'd like him as a star like that's where he's competing right now now maybe it's like Javon Bullard in a year or so you move him back to safety I don't know like we're good at safety right now with Bullard we're good at safety with Starks I like Dan Jackson uh David Daniel backing them up obviously we are in good shape right now but we've got to start letting some of these guys at that position for it to stay that way so that's does complicate things a little bit here. If it was just an isolation, hey, we just missed on this one safety. That's one thing. But back-to-back years, missing the top safety in the state was a five-star prospect. That does hurt to a degree. But here's the thing, guys. We still have the number one class in the country. I know it's human nature to focus on the things that you don't have as opposed to things that you do have. But we got all these other five-star prospects, all these other highly rated four-star prospects. And for some reason, like we focus on the guy that we just missed and didn't get him, we hyper-focus on that and just kind of forget about all the great things that have been going on with this class. Again, we have far and away the number one class in the country, and it's going to end that way. So we are more than okay. But I do want to real quickly address the Gwinnett County thing. We've talked about this so many times. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Guys, it's been a long time been a long time since we got somebody out of Buford High School, and I know that's not the only school in Gwinnett County, but Buford in particular, I think, was it 2010? Colton Houston was the last guy we got from Buford. I know we got Isaac Nauta, who played at Buford, but he transferred to IMG, and for a senior year, we got him from IMG. So maybe once upon a time, played for Buford. That's kind of a gray area there, but I think the last guy that we got from Buford a senior year was Colton Houston. Somebody double-check me on that. Uh, That was 2010, I want to say. It's been a minute, and it's not just Buford. I mentioned Caleb Downs. We know Justice Haynes, who was a Buford guy. Mike Matthews in this class, five-star wide receiver. There's so many guys, and we've talked about this before. I know, I know, but I just want to address because I've got a lot of questions about it. I'll, I'll say the same thing I always say about Gwinnett County, guys. Look, this is coming from someone who spent the first 18 years of his life in Gwinnett County. My first four years as a working professional, I worked and coached in Gwinnett County. My parents still live in Gwinnett County. My dad works at a Gwinnett County high school. So I do think that I'm pretty well positioned to talk about Gwinnett County and what's going on in that county when it comes to Georgia. Now, this is not a conspiracy, okay? I want to put that out there. Like, (laughs) There's not like all these players, all these high schools get together and say, you know, we're just going to screw over Georgia. That's not what's happening. But it's the suburbs, guys. I'm a suburban boy. I grew up in the suburbs. It is what it is. 
It's a metro county. It's the biggest school district in the state, ton of high schools, ton of people, and there's a ton of transplants. I'm just telling you guys, there are a ton of people that come into Gwinnett County from out of state that have absolutely zero allegiance to the University of Georgia. Now, there are a lot of Georgia fans in Gwinnett County too, don't get me wrong, but a lot of these high-profile elite high school football players aren't Georgia fans. They don't grow up Georgia fans from Gwinnett County. Like they, some of them do. I'm not saying this is true for every one of them, but a lot of them just don't. Not the way that a kid from Bainbridge might or a kid from Lee County. Those aren't transient parts of Georgia. You don't have a lot of transplants that go and move into those areas. Most of the people that live in areas like that have lived in Georgia and lived in those cities, those counties for generations. Their families go way back. So there's that built-in love and connection to the in-state school in a way that just simply does not exist in Gwinnett County. And here's the other part of this. I'm not saying that the coaches in Gwinnett County purposefully drive recruits away from Georgia. I don't, that is, to my knowledge, that's not happening. I can't say definitively because I'm not in those rooms, those people, but in my experience, again, coaching Gwinnett County for a couple years, played in Gwinnett County as a kid. I, I have not seen that, but here's what does happen. So Gwinnett County is a big time high school football county. It is a huge deal in Gwinnett County. And hey, all you people in South Georgia, I know it's a big deal down there too, but trust me, like growing up in Gwinnett County, like that's, that was my dream was to play for Brooklyn High School. Like that's like, I obviously want to go to Georgia too, play at Georgia, didn't work out so much, but like I wanted to be a varsity football player at Brookwood High School. I went to every single game as a kid. There's they, they do a fantastic job building up the youth programs. They really build that pride in the school. But anyway, my point is, big-time football is played in Gwinnett County. And there's also a lot of money in Gwinnett County. So put that together, and what do you have? You have a bunch of coaches coming in from out of state who are high-profile coaches that are attracted to come into play and coach in Gwinnett County. Almost all those schools play in the highest classification in the state of Georgia. They have a lot of money. It's a big deal. Those, those communities support the programs. They support the teams. So you get a lot of really good football coaches that come from out of state that also don't have any direct ties to the University of Georgia to come coach these teams. Now, again, I have not seen any of these coaches like specifically purposely driving players away from Georgia. But I think it's also fair to say they're not going out of their way to help Georgia. They have no reason to. Now, most coaches generally kind of stay out of it. You know, if the kid comes to them and asks for advice, they'll give them some advice. Sure. They don't really like tell kids where to go. At least they shouldn't be. But if you're around a coach who bleeds red and black, that does kind of in some way filter down to you on some level. So I do think that's part of it, but the bigger part of this is just the players themselves. There's a lot of transplants in that area. Families move into Gwinnett County so they can, so their parents can work in Atlanta, in the metro area, and you just don't have that built-in connection among a lot of those prospects. And, and I don't know the answer, guys. I don't, I don't really know if there is an answer. I've seen a lot of people say, let's just stop recruiting Buford. Let's stop recruiting Gwinnett County. And I get the sentiment. Trust me, I do. As someone, again, who's grew up in Gwinnett County, it frustrates me to no end that it's my home county that this is a, that is having this problem, that we're having this issue with. I, I hate it. It drives me crazy. It drives me insane. But there are a lot of really good football players in that county and at Buford High School. And if you just throw your hands up and say, screw it, we're not going to recruit these guys. Look, I know we haven't gotten many of them at this point, 
but it doesn't mean it always has to be that way. You still have to continue to recruit it. You have to bite your tongue and just continue to go after it and grind. And hopefully one day, maybe we can start to change this. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever really make a, a, a dent in Gwinnett County because of the, the transient nature of the county. But we got we to gotta keep recruiting. I know like right now we're frustrated. You're going to say, just screw. We're just not going to recruit that state anymore or that county anymore. We're not going to recruit that school anymore. I don't think you can do that, man, because every kid is different. Maybe eventually there is a kid who has ties to Georgia and wants to come to Georgia. And you're just like, screw it. No, you go to Buford. We're not going to recruit you. Like, you can't do that, guys. Come on. Like, we know that you can't do that. So it's frustrating, but there we are. And with KJ Bolden, last thing here, great player, awesome player. Wish we would have gotten him. Not the end of the world, though. We're, we're totally fine again. We're going to end with the number one class in the country, guys. And it's kind of tough to do better than the number one class in the country. But it wasn't all bad news this weekend, as on Sunday today, we did get a commitment from On3 Sports' number one running back in the country, Nate Frazier, at a matter day in California. And I told you guys last week, I love this guy. I think he's deserving of being ranked as the number one running back in the country. I haven't seen all the running backs, but the ones that I have watched, I mean, this guy is the total package. I love everything about him. This is a guy that is built the right way in terms of wanting to come in and compete. And I told you guys, you know, last week that, I mean, I didn't want to spoil this moment, but he did commit to us back in June when Chauncey Bowens committed. And Chauncey Bowens went public. And when Bowens committed, what happened behind the scenes is that Frazier grabbed the mic and in front of everybody was like, I'm home, y'all go dogs. And like, as soon as he did that, he's like, oh, dude, I kind of just spoiled it. He wanted his moment. These guys want their moment. So he spent the past couple months like just telling everyone who, like when people brought that up, he's like, no, I, I said that people thought that I said I'm home, but I said he's home, go dogs. But he actually said I'm home. And he he admitted that today after his recruitment, after his, uh, his commitment. But I told you guys last week that was the case. At least I tried to tell you without fully telling you because I didn't want to ruin the kid's moment. But I, I tried to make you guys feel better about his commitment because I didn't feel great about bold. So I want to give you guys some something to feel good about going into the weekend and these two announcements. But I didn't want to just straight up tell you that he's basically already committed because I wanted the kid to have his moment. But what I tell you is like, I think I predicted with 85% confidence that he was going to commit to Georgia. It was really like 99% confidence because I knew that he committed, but I didn't want to like completely spoil it there. So I had to kind of dial it back a little bit. I just want to put that out there. I'm sorry to, for kind of like somewhat misleading you, but I didn't really mislead you there. But uh, I knew that was coming down and uh, I love this guy. I absolutely love his game. I'm going to try to put together a YouTube video this week, kind of detailing his game. So again, shout out real quick. If you haven't already, make sure to like and subscribe. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. I've got a video out on KJ Bolden right now, so check that out. But anyway, let's talk about Frazier's game here real quick. I told you it's a total package, and I mean that. So he's got home run speed. He's got elite short area quickness. What I love most about him is that he runs angry. He's not the biggest guy. He's not small. He's like 5'11", 200 pounds, but the dude runs angry. He runs with some physicality. He runs behind his pads. He has incredible contact balance. When he gets hit, he keeps his feet. He does not, He's not one of those guys that when he gets hit, he's like, oh, I'm supposed to go down. He goes down. No, he continues to turn his legs. He runs, and he fights for every single yard. He's built the right way. He's a guy that wants to come in. He wants to compete. He wants to work hard. He wants to continue our running back legacy. And this is huge, guys. I mean, seriously, like we had, for a while there, like we just had this incredible run 
uh, of backs. You know, we had, you know, go back to Noshaw Moreno and Thomas Brown himself. I mean, Thomas Brown was really good. And you've got Keith Marshall, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, DeAndre Swift. I mean, it was just one after another. And we've had good backs in the past couple of years, but we can also say that they weren't those guys. Like, James Cook, Zamir White, awesome backs, really good players for us, but they also weren't Todd Gurley or Nick Chubb. Kenny McIntosh, awesome player, but wasn't DeAndre Swift, right? Like we haven't had that kind of alpha back. I truly believe that Nate Frazier can be that kind of back. I think Chauncey Bowens can be that kind of guy as well. I think we have an incredible running back class right now. Like this is one of the best that we've had maybe since like, probably the best that we've had since that Nick Sony class back in 2014. But this is what I'm talking about, guys. This is not a guy that was looking for the big NIL deal. Now, he's going to get some NIL money. I'm sure he is. I don't know what the number is, dollar figure, but he's going to get some NIL money. He's a big-time player. But he also wasn't using that as like the driving force behind his recruitment. This is a guy, again, he feels like he fits with our culture. And our culture, guys, needs to be protected. And Kirby is very protective of that. Like we actively go out and try to find guys that fit our culture. Every program wants to do that. At least they, they pay lip service to that. I don't know if every program actually lives that, actually follows through with that. We do. Like we really, really do a good job, a thorough job of vetting these guys and making sure this guy is someone we want in our program. This guy is going to fit in our culture. I mean, go back to Zach Evans. That's why ultimately we pulled the Zach Evans scholarship. I'm surprised we even went that as far as we did with him. I think that might have been like a turning point for us. Like, because, you know, losing Zach Evans meant that we lost him. We also lost Tank, Tank Bigsby and we lost Jameer Gibbs because those are guys that we had on the back burner because we had Zach Evans ahead of them on the board. And those guys were just better culture fits, but Evans, we felt like, was just an incredible talent, which he was, and so we went with that, and it kind of blew up in our faces, so I think that was kind of something that taught us something there, like, hey, let's make sure that we go after guys that fit our program, and that's exactly what we have done, bringing in a guy like Nate Frazier. All right, guys, last thing here before I get out of here, it's late, man. I got to go to bed. I'm going to be so tired tomorrow, man. It's been crazy. All right, anyway, let's do this. We don't have any commitment scheduled to be made this week, but next Monday, the 14th, I mentioned this last week, I'm going to go to it one more time here, Williams Winery, the number three prospect in the country, according to the on three industry rankings, is going to go public with his commitment. I know we talked about this last week, but I'm bringing it up one more time for a specific reason. So remember I told you earlier that we did put together a bigger NIL package for KJ Bolden than we typically do. To do that, we had to get some donors to pony up for that deal. We had to marshal some resources. Well, that money was not spent, right? KJ Bolden didn't take that money. He took Florida State's money. That money is still there. Those donors, those people who were able to get that money together were already willing to spend that money, right? In their mind, it was already spent. Now, here's where Williams Winery comes into this. I think it makes a lot of sense that we take this money that we had earmarked for KJ Bolden and now direct those efforts towards Williams Winery. No one has told me that. Again, I've been out of commission all weekend. No one has told me that. I have not heard that from anyone I trust. This is me just speculating. It just makes sense though, right? We were able to marshal all this money, get it together, put it, put together this deal, KJ didn't take it. Money's still sitting there. Donors are willing to spend it for KJ Jefferson, a top 10 player nationally. Why wouldn't they be willing to spend that same money 
on a top three player nationally in Williams Winery, especially a guy like Winery who lives in Missouri. And I told you guys this last week, Missouri, University of Missouri has a major advantage with these big time prospects like Luther Burden a couple years ago in their home state because they have a law in Missouri, a state law that a player who chooses to go to a school in Missouri, commits to a school in Missouri, can take NIL money from that school in Missouri as a high school student. Most states do not allow that. Missouri does. So NIL was kind of working against us in the Winery recruitment. And I'm not saying that we're going to be able to overcome that. Like having that extra year payment as a high school senior, that that's going to be very difficult to overcome. But I do think that we have a better shot to overcome it now with this money that we were going to spend on KJ Bolden or that we were willing to spend on KJ Bolden that we can now direct towards our efforts to recruit Williams Winery. Will it be enough? I don't know. I can't tell you guys that. If I get some more information, I'll absolutely bring it on here. Right now, I don't know. But I do think it makes sense that we just take that money and now direct it towards him because he's the next big prospect to go up with his commitment next Monday, August 14th. And if we land him, like KJ Bolden, who? Because as good as KJ is, I mean, safety's not a premier position. You obviously want to have elite players back there, but it's not the same as quarterback or left tackle or defensive line like Williams Nwari plays. So maybe it'll end up being a blessing in disguise. Again, I don't know that for sure. I'm just, I've thrown a lot of things out there. I'm just kind of speculating on things today. But I think it also makes a lot of sense. I think that's a very reasonable thing to expect us to do with that money that we had earmarked for KJ Bolden. But all right, guys. I got to get out of here. It's getting late, man. It's after 1230. I got to get to bed. I got to get up early and go to work. So I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. I really wanted to go to bed, but I didn't want to leave you guys hanging because I know there's a lot of interest in these commitments that took place over the weekend, especially the KJ Bolden commitment. And I wanted to make sure to jump on here and uh, give you guys some thoughts on that after all the questions I got over the weekend. But we're just getting things started this week, guys. I'll be back on Wednesday with our Missouri Scout in the Enemy episode. And then on Friday, I have a, an episode that I'm excited about. I've been working on this one for a while. We're going to talk about why Georgia is going to win back-to-back-to-back national championships. I'm going to give you all the reasons why I think that is going to happen this year. So a lot of great stuff for you guys the rest of the week. I appreciate you being here. Again, if you haven't already, please go to our YouTube channel, Glory UGA on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and just look up Glory UGA. You can type into Google, find that channel, subscribe, watch the videos. That's a massive help to us, guys. And thank you so much to everyone who's already subscribed, who's watched the videos. I mean, this last video I posted, only the second one, and it's already like we've gotten almost 10 times more views than the first. We've got over 3,000 views already. We've got over 200 followers, which I know is, is not that many right now. But look, we're shooting for a thousand. We are on mission 1,000 followers on YouTube. That is the goal right now. So again, thank you to everyone who has already helped us get closer to that goal. And if you haven't already, we would greatly, greatly appreciate your help. It's very quick and easy, guys. It takes five seconds just to click that subscribe button. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone. Appreciate you guys. Have an awesome week. I'll be back on Wednesday. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>